guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Welcome to New Heights Church on a Sunday morning. All right, stand to your feet if you would, please. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you have your Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 is a phenomenal chapter for faith. It's one of the greatest uh, recollections of some of the heroes of faith. And we've been in this chapter for several weeks now because we're talking about something that has no substitute. Some things you can have a substitution. So when I played uh, baseball, I played a uh, catcher. So I was, I was always putting on all the gear and you know the helmet and all that other stuff. And I, I had a, heard a lot of people you know, I would say, you know, oh, yeah, I play catcher. Somebody would ask what position you play. And they'd say, oh, that's a tough position. And, and, you know, maybe it was. I don't know. Anybody in here ever play any baseball, just wave at me. But the, one of the reasons I liked it is because it was the only position on the field that came with personal protective equipment. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so everybody said, boy, it's so tough to do that. And I was like, my face is behind a cage. Come on, somebody. The ball bounces off of you. You don't even know it most of the time. It's pretty wonderful. Now, you got to understand, I'd spent a, a lot of time also playing third base. I played third base like this. Not really. But I remember thinking, man, when they hit that ball down there, like it is something. And, and then I was probably, I don't know, I was, I was nine years old. I do remember. I was nine years old and, and I, I was playing with the 12-year-olds. And my dad, uh, there was a kid on our team that threw really hard and our catcher would not, would not catch for him because he threw too hard. You know, 12 years old... There's some things that can happen and really change the game. You know what I'm talking about? So this one kid would show up like using his electric razor, getting ready to play. And all, all those other kids like, hey there, he's here. Come on, Paul Bunyan. And we would play baseball. But this kid threw so hard and nobody wanted to play catcher. So my dad said, Brian, you want to try to play catcher? I was like, do you mean do I want to put a, a, like, a, like a guard, like a, like a face mask on? Yeah, I want to put something on my face. This obvious, I mean, you guys aren't blind. This is my money maker. So all those things considered, that's when I became a catcher. Now I ended up going and playing uh, baseball for a long ways and, and, you know, had some opportunities to keep playing, but I didn't feel like it was the will of God for my life. So I stopped after some time. But, but my point is this, I would hit the ball and, and, and occasionally get on base. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I would occasionally get on base. And as soon as I got to first base, my coach would say, time out. I want to make a substitution <laughs> because it was, it, it would have been faster to send me by USPS to second base than it would for me to run to second base. But the, 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 
sports and the, the high school and the college that I went to, they had this thing where you could have a, I can't remember what they called it. They had a designated runner. So I can't remember what they called it. But anyway, somebody would run for me so that I could put on my catcher's equipment so it wouldn't slow everything down. And at first I was a little put out about it. I was like, now this is something. I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I either watched four balls and got to go uh, to first base or hit the ball and got to go to the base. And you guys are constantly calling timeout and putting me over here on first base. And now I got, I got to take this walk of shame to the dugout, start putting my stuff on. Everybody can tell the guy that you put out there is way faster than me. I feel a little like, like, like insecure about it. And then it dawned on me. It was an incredible negotiating chip. So we had practice one day and coach said, all right, time to run some, some, uh, we called them, we called them foul poles. You start from one foul pole to the other. I said, no, 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 not me. I'm going to run 90 feet. He said, what? I said, you only let me run 90 feet on the base path and then you make me come to the dugout. I ain't running across God's planet over here from one foul pole to the other. I'm going to run the distance to first base as many times as you want, but I ain't running from those foul poles. (laughs) He looked at me, he said, fine. And I thought, I can't believe that worked. But I was substituted for. Some things you can have a substitute. Let me just say this though. There's no substitute for faith. There's not going to be a substitute for faith. So if there's no substitute for it, we got to know what it is. We got to know when we should use it. And we have to know how to use it. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is. Faith is present tense. The same way our God, I am, that I am. Is present tense. Now faith is. So you're never going to be exempt from needing to live by faith. Faith is the substance of what's hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One translation indicates that faith is what we stand under. So faith is the system. Faith is the belief structure that we stand under when we can't see what the word says we will have. In other words, faith is for when you can't see the answer and wisdom is for when you can. So if you can see the solution, you should just do it. But when you can't see it, now you have to believe it in spite of what you see because oftentimes the opposite of faith is not doubt. Sometimes the opposite of faith is what you see. Remember, live by faith, not by faith. So we live by faith and not by sight. So that means sometimes I'm going to have to trust the word more than what I see. So what you believed and stood on in the word of God that got you to hear, you have to understand it will be the building block that you jump off of when you're in your next challenge. But what you believed before does not make you exempt from having to believe God now. You got to stand in faith perpetually, and there will never be a substitute. We've given a lot of great examples, but I want us to go all the way down to verse 16 today. And I want to bring out just a couple of points so that as we're living the faith life, understanding there's no substitute for faith, we have an understanding of what we're stretching towards. And we have an understanding of who we're stretching towards. Verse 16 says this, they desire a better country. Somebody say better. 
a better country, a heavenly country where God is not ashamed to be called their God for he prepared them a city. First off that word, uh, uh, that word there in the beginning talks about uh, how they were looking or going for a different city. They desired a better city. The original translation would indicate that they stretched for that better place. You're probably not going to reach all the things in God unless you're stretching to attain them. There's going to have to be a stretching. When you stretch, it prepares you to be able to reach something that you can't reach without significant effort. Remember the apostle Paul wrote that he presses towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. In other words, the prize is not the house. The prize is not the houses. The prize is not a doctor's report that changes. The prize is not a new car. The prize is to be used by God. Everything else is a byproduct of being near him. Every, your children eat food not because of what they've done well or done poorly, but because of their proximity to you. How many of your six-year-olds ever asked to pick up the tab at Texas Roadhouse? It is their proximity to you that causes them to live in the blessing. But the prize is to be used by God. Press towards the mark for the prize. What's the prize? The high calling. What's the high calling? To do anything for him. Some of you may be called to preach on a platform. Most of you not. Why? Because if everybody was standing up here preaching today, we would have a challenge. To be used by God in any capacity is the high calling. To be used to change a life. To be used to help somebody. To be used to bring somebody closer to the things of God. I walked out of a convenience store the other day and there was a guy there and I was like, I was like, man, I want to witness to that guy. So I called him over and said, hey, what's going on? I said, hey, uh, Billy. And the reason I knew his name, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I, I, the reason I knew it in that moment is because he had a name tag. Come on, somebody. So he, you know, kind of looks and I got a mask on, sunglasses. So he doesn't know if we're friends because he doesn't know who I am. Like, hey, Billy. He's like, oh, you know how when somebody's talking to you because they think they recognize you, but they don't remember your name? That's what Billy was doing. He was like, he was like, hey, man been a while. I'm like, yeah, long time, Billy. I said, man, have you heard of New Heights Church? No. I said, well, let me tell you, it's a place where we learn and we love on Jesus. Are you familiar with Jesus? He said, yeah, I am. I said, awesome. I said, well, I'd love for you to come to our church. I said, I said, uh, the whole goal there is to love people and point them to Christ. And man, You'd love it. And I'm walking off. He said, oh, thanks, man. I'm walking off. And, and all of a sudden, Billy goes, hey, uh, uh, he doesn't know what I am. I said, oh, Brian. He goes, yeah, 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 Brian. I'm like, bro, you didn't know me. I go, like, you know me. He said, what was the name of that place again? I said, New Heights Church, Billy. He said, thank you very much. 
for taking the time. That is the high calling. To press towards the mark for the prize. What's the high calling? To be used by God. How many people in your sphere right now don't know you're a Christian? I'm not talking about the Bible Belt ideology. I'm not talking about the fact that you wore a necklace with a cross on it. How many people in your sphere? Forget about, just for a second, forget about the nations that God may send you to. Why would he send you to the nations if you haven't won your neighbor? Quiet in here, Jake. Because the high calling might be the nations for you. Or it might be your neighbor. When's the last time? And this is New Heights Church. I know most of you guys are doing this on a regular basis. When's the last time you purposely directed the topic of the conversation to Jesus? And some of you, you may not have done this before, and you'll probably feel a little uncomfortable. Let me just tell you something. Them burning in hell or going to heaven is worth you feeling uncomfortable. It's worth being a little uncomfortable. I've found that your comfort zone is where your dreams die. I've found that your comfort zone is where you get stale. I've found that your comfort, and everybody has one. I have one. A comfort zone. You're just right there in your little padded you know, area, everything's nice and soft and cushy and, and everything's good to go. Everybody looks like you, sounds like you, talks like you. They like the same dessert. They like the same restaurant. They like everything you like. They have the same background that you have. They grew up on the same side of the tracks that you grew up on and you're just comfortable. It's just comfort. It's just right there. And there's nothing wrong with spending some time in a comfort zone. But if you stay in your comfort zone, I can tell you what your life's going to look like next year. But if you decide, you know what, there's no substitute for faith. It's time for me to get out of this boat. And if I'm the only one doing it, I'm still going to press towards the mark. Can we have a hand of praise right there for our God who pulls us out of the boat? The Bible says in the second half of that verse, it says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I I find it beautiful that God's not ashamed to be your God. Anytime I've ever had a significant encounter with Jesus, I have found that he is aware of everything I've done wrong, but he completely ignores it because he's not ashamed to be my God. He's not ashamed to be my savior. He's not ashamed to be my king. Who in here has children? Just wave at me. Who in here, their children have never done anything wrong? Just wave at me. In their worst moment, are you ashamed to be their parent, to be their daddy, to be their mommy? Who in this room, even if their child had done something wrong, when they heard their child scream out like only a child can scream out and only a mother or a father can recognize the sound in their child's voice, who would ignore it? How much more so does our Father in heaven? 
He is not ashamed to be your God. He is not ashamed of you. When he thinks of you, he sings over you. I don't understand God singing over me. Yes, you do. Every person in here has sung to their kids. If you have children, every one of you. At some point, we used to sing this song we, 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 to Haley when she was a baby. We sing, apple red happiness, popcorn cheerfulness, cinnamon singing inside, peppermint energy, gumdrop holidays. When you give Christ your life, the benefits of God's great love super satisfy me. Throw away your sin, let the sun shine in. Try it and you'll see that you'll have apple red happiness. And then it just keeps going. Can we put that into maybe next week's set list? She wasn't this big. She'd lay her head on shoulder, whoever picked her up, shoulder. Apple red happiness. It got so, Crystal and I, we started something when we had kids. We, we dated a lot before we had kids, but we started having a date night about once a week. As soon as, you know, we had a baby, we, we just, one of the things that we stuck into our life that we've tried to prioritize. So we had this wonderful young lady that would babysit for us, but we found out like the first time, like if, if we don't teach her this song, like it challenges bedtime, you know. She's she's like, you know, picks the baby up. She goes, she calls. She says, hey, so uh, everything's fine. Gave her a bath. Everything's good. But she keeps laying her head on my shoulder, saying apple red. <laughs> and I gave her an apple, and she's not eating it. I don't know what to do. Put it on speaker. He's singing over you. He's not ashamed to be your God. He knows everything about you and ignores the venom in your life. Ignores the shortcomings. Tries to get you to take your eyes off of your insecurities and put them on him. The same way you do with your child. Yes, you can, baby. Yes, you can. Oh, I know you can do it. Oh, mom, I'm nervous about something. You're going to be great at it. Why would you think that God is different than that when that is where you actually got it from? His likeness and his image. So I'll say it like this. He's not ashamed to be your God. Don't be ashamed to be his child. Have you ever giving your child something and they run around wearing it. It doesn't matter what it is. I give my kids, if we get them new clothes, they want to wear it out of the store. Matter of fact, when we buy them shoes, when they ask, do you want to wear them out? That's a dumb question. It could be raining and they're like, bought some, some white tennis shoes and, and they're going to be, they're like, no, I can keep them clean. It's not a problem. And I look how fat I am in these things. Do you want to wear them out? Yeah, I want to wear them out. Doesn't it honor you when they wear the blessing? 
Don't be ashamed that he's your God. Don't be ashamed that he's blessed your life. I'm not talking about rubbing it in somebody's nose that's down on their luck, but I'm not talking about, but I am talking about not being ashamed of the blessing on your life. Somebody needs to know you're not a drunk anymore. Well, nobody knew I was an alcoholic. That's fine. But somebody needs to know God set you free. Don't be ashamed that your God has delivered you. Don't be ashamed. Well, how come y'all's marriage is so strong now? We made Jesus the center of it. Somebody needs to hear that. Don't be ashamed that he's your God. Don't be ashamed of the blessing and favor of God on your life. Don't be ashamed that he's increased you. Don't be ashamed that he brought you into places you couldn't go. Don't be ashamed that he brought you into brought you places where there are wells you didn't dig and vineyards you didn't plant and olive trees you didn't plant. Don't be ashamed that he's filled your house up. Don't be ashamed that he's your God. He's not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed that he's your God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of his presence. I'm not ashamed of his gifts. I'm not ashamed of church. I don't want to sound too churchy. I don't even understand that statement. I don't want to sound too churchy. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. I can't think of anything I'd rather sound like than churchy. I can't promise you this. But if I hit my finger with a hammer, I'm probably going to say, probably. I can't promise you. I'm probably going to say, bless God. Well, that sounds out of place. Yeah, sounds really doggone peculiar to the world. How can you be blessing God with a bloody finger? Because his hands bled for me. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just let, let any old thing roll out of my mouth. I don't want to sound too churchy. Maybe we, maybe we went too far the other way. I don't know. I, I was Maybe the church tried too hard to look like the world. And now the world can't tell a difference between them and the church. When I think there ought to be a distinct difference. What area? Every area. That means we wear the shoes our daddy bought us. We wear the coat our daddy had made for us. And when everybody around us is ridiculing us, we say, I'm not against you, but I ain't taking this jacket off for nothing. You're going to have to pull it off my back. Why? Because my daddy gave it to me. Think of your kid. If you gave them a coat, their favorite coat, they put it on and wore it to school. And somebody picked on them about it. What would you say? Don't listen to them, baby. Wear that coat. This is what your father says to you. Don't listen to them, baby. I'm not ashamed of you. Wear your coat. Wear your favor. And then stand because there's not going to be a substitute for faith. You're not going to have an opportunity to just decide, okay, I don't have to live by faith anymore. No, faith is the way that this whole thing works. And it involves you not being able 
to see what's going on entirely. Two more verses. By faith, somebody say faith. faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Let's talk about Abraham when he took Isaac up the mountain. Verse 18. Read two more, actually. Of whom it was said that in Isaac, so shall thy seed be called. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. God had told him, your seed will come through Isaac. Verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure, or he received him back from the dead in a sense because he had already committed to sacrifice him. Verse 19, first word, accounting. That word in the original language means to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate, to take into account, to determine, or to decide. Accounting that God was able. If you're going to live by faith, understanding there's no substitute for it, you have to decide God is able. And then bring that into the equation. Most people calculate all the things that would happen if everything goes wrong. And very few people calculate what will happen if you don't change. Very few people calculate what will happen if everything goes right. One translation indicates it's the difference between facts and supposition. Abraham considered it a fact that God was able to bring his son back. Abraham considered it a fact that God was able to do exactly what he said. I want you to take your problems, stare them right back in their problem face, and decide God is able to deal with that too. I want you to stop bombing heaven with all of your needs because God already knows your needs. And supplies your needs according to his riches in glory. Feel free to talk to him about it. But stop asking him like he might fail. Stop asking him like he might not work. Stop asking him like. Stop asking him like there's a possibility that heaven could lose. And decide. God is able, and that settles my position. And there'll never be a substitute for that line of faith in your life. Hasn't he done it already? Huh. Hasn't he changed you? Think of how nasty you were. All of us. Think of... Think of, think of what he started with when you decided to turn to him. 
Now take that understanding into account. Consider it a fact that God's going to set you free. Consider it a fact that your children and your grandchildren are going to serve God. Consider it a fact that he's going to bless your business. Consider it a fact that he's going to bring increase into your house. Consider it a fact that he has thrown your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Stop reminding him of your shortcomings. He is aware of them. Especially those that have already been forgiven. You're bringing something up that has already been thrown away. Stop supposing and giving any place to the devil. What I mean by that is any any inkling that God might fail. This is faith. It is standing under something when you're seeing something else. Standing under a belief structure when you're seeing something else. Stop giving an inch to the enemy. Stop giving an inch to your doubt. Stop giving an inch to your fear. The righteous are as bold as lions. And he has called you righteous because of his son. You're not righteous based off what you did. You're not righteous based off what you didn't do. It's all about what Jesus did. And you have been called righteous because of that. And that same boldness that was purchased at Calvary is for you. So stop giving an inch to the devil and acting like your kid's not going to the head of the class. They're going to the head of the class. Don't give an inch. Not one inch. We are not like them that fall back. Don't give one inch. If you fall, my God, get up. Don't give an inch, not an inch. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a building pop out of the ground right down there on this end of this property over here. It's going to be, to the world's standards, obnoxious big. It's as big as we'll fit on this property. And we'll fill it up several times over. And then if we need a bigger building, we'll build another doggone building. But there is no chance God's not going to come through. There is zero chance that God's going to fail. And that becomes your position because you have accounted who you're dealing with. There are people in my life that I, I do business with and, and a lot of times, like I know, I can only put on their shoulders this much. And even then, I'm probably going to have to circle back and follow up significantly. I have others that I can load the boat. Just put it all on their shoulders. Because I know they're going to come through. God's never failed anybody in history. Ever. And when it looks like he's failed, it's been the greatest successes. 
So as much as anything, as much as, as anything else I want you to hear today and just put down in your spirit. And I'm closing with this. It's considered that he is able. Period. Reckon, calculate, add him in there. I, I like to call it the God factor. What does the God factor mean? I could screw up and I'm still not going to lose. Well, number one, I'm not going to screw up intentionally, but I could miss it. I could miss it in faith trying and I still don't lose. Second Corinthians says, now things be unto God, which always causes me to triumph. We lose when we stop reckoning that he's able to deliver. I sense a shift in this season. I sense a real, almost like a, it feels like a wind. But I sense a shift where God is calling us to a higher place, to a higher effort. Not not an effort to be righteous, but an effort, because our righteousness is based in Him, but an effort to walk that righteousness out in front of people. Not ashamed. He's not ashamed of us. Could you imagine if every one of us went and witnessed to two people every day this week? Think of what God did with 12 men. What would happen to this county if every one of us said, every day I'm inviting two people to church? Every single day. Well, I don't know how to do it. Let me tell you how to do it. You just got to do it. (laughs) Well, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yep. I'm a world-class church inviter. I'm a world-class personal evangelism person. I don't mean that arrogantly. It's just a fact. It's an extremely high priority in our life, in my family. And I still get very uncomfortable a lot of the times. Do you know why? Because I still got a flesh. But my flesh is what I kill every day. And I found the best way to kill it is to do what it doesn't want you to do. And your flesh doesn't want you telling people about Jesus. Doesn't want you even having a conversation about Jesus. The fl- your flesh only wants you to say Jesus as if his name was a cuss word. Never to discuss as if he is. I was talking with, with, with my buddy Jake. and wasn't several months ago. I was telling him. I said, man, I said, you know, it's because somebody says something real harsh about the Lord. I said, yeah, it bothers me. I said, I said, you know, that's my friend. <laughs> like, he's not kind of my friend. He's my friend. And the same way I would feel if somebody talked about you, I'd feel that way about him. Like, it's like, hey, man, whoa, that's my friend, man. That's my brother. The Bible says we're heirs and joiners. That's my king. That's my savior. You didn't die for me. He did. So I feel about it. Jake called me this past week. He said, man, I just got to tell you, I've been with the Lord. I said, man, talk to me. I love conversations that start that way. He said, man, he said, it hurts me so bad. It hurt me so bad. Somebody said something about him. And it just, I never felt it like that. I said, I know, man. Your flesh hates those conversations. Hates them. So I do them on purpose. Because I want my flesh squealing. Because God's not ashamed of you. I know we're over time. 
Everybody just close your eyes for just a second. I'm going to speak a couple of things over you. God is not ashamed of you. He's aware of what you've done. When he thinks of you, he smiles. When he thinks of you, when he thinks of you, he sings over you. When he thinks of you, he's reminded of how much he loves you. When he thinks of you, he thinks of your purpose and your future. When he thinks of you, he cares about what you care about. When he thinks of you, he thinks of your children and your grandchildren to a thousand generations and more. When he thinks of you, he pays no attention to your insecurities, but rather the giftings and the callings that he handcrafted for you. You were made and formed to be in the family that you are in. You're not a mistake there. You were made and formed to reach the people that are in your circle, in your sphere. And Jesus Christ himself will help you. All you have to do is try. To continue to stretch towards a city that is a heavenly build. One that God himself had a hand in. To consent to continue to press to reach towards something you've never seen with your natural eyes. Where white people and black people and brown people and yellow people and red people and every color imaginable all come together, drop all of their own insecurities and arrogances and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have never seen it with your natural eyes, but a place where children dance and laugh. A place where children honor and respect their parents and listen to them. A place where, where parents stop being sarcastic jerks to their children and actually speak to them with, with a, a, a purposeful intent, understanding that their words are seeds that will grow in the fertile field of their offspring. You may have never seen this place, but we stretch and reach towards this place where the lion and the lamb lay down together. We reach and we stretch towards this place, understanding that our king is not ashamed of us. We stretch towards this place where husbands don't run around on their wives and wives don't run around on their husbands. But they become great examples for children to see, for others to see. We stretch and reach towards this place where the people of God are blessed, not arrogantly, but refuse to be ashamed of it. Refuse to be ashamed of living in the blessing and favor of God. Refuse to be ashamed when God gives you a promotion you didn't deserve. Refuse to be ashamed when God pays off your house, pays off your other house. It's a place and we stretch to it. And we do it by faith, not with our eyes that we can see, but with our internal spiritual eyes because we're seeing something in the spirit that we haven't seen in the natural. And if we give our last breath and enter into eternity, we will still be reaching for that place. We will not be ashamed of our God. We will not be ashamed of our friend. We will not be ashamed of our king. We will not be ashamed of his gifts. We will not be ashamed of his hand on our life. 
we will see him move. We will see our prodigal sons and daughters come home. We will see our businesses flourish. We will see those in our sphere come to Jesus and we will be used by God in the process. And we stretch towards that. And we press towards that. And we refuse to back off of it. We will not be silenced. We will not be arrogant, but we will not be silenced. We will not be intimidated. We will not be pushed around indefinitely because our king brings victory. We will see the hand of God move. Now I say this over each one of you personally. The spirit of God is for you and not against you. I speak against nightmares in your home. I speak against I speak against thoughts that don't line up with the word of God, thoughts that you're less than, and I replace them with the understanding that God says that you are the head and you're not the tail. You're blessed and you cannot be cursed. And from this day forward, you stand on these words, words from the Bible, belief structures, foundations, steadfast positions that we will not move from. Because he's not ashamed of us. We're not going to be ashamed of him. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.